breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Glitter Boys. My first exposure to Palladium, the entire concept of Palladium, and ultimately the entire concept of rolling dice at the tabletop role-playing games, was with Palladium Fantasy, specifically first edition. I was like, I want to say I was 10 or 11 years old. Now, I had experienced some D&D-like make-believe stories when I was in my single digits, but... You know, that didn't really count. I wasn't actually rolling the dice. I wasn't playing the game. My first exposure was in, uh, again, I was like, or maybe I was 12. I don't know. I was young. And my first character was a centaur paladin. And that's paladin with the two L's, the Palladium mm-hmm. fantasy version, not the D&D warrior of justice, lawful good right. kind of thing. And the GM ran us through an adventure. Well, the GM ran us through the first couple of rooms of an adventure before getting bored and killing us all. But the <laughs> the adventure was called The Hidden Temple. And it is located uh-huh. in Palladium Fantasy Book 2, Old Ones. On page 141. To me, this book is the pinnacle of old school Palladium campaign book design. It's got locations. It's got adventures it's got creatures it's got magical things it's got maps and maps and maps and more maps oh this is where i'm gonna jump in so (laughs) this book was specifically written to entice a matthew (laughs) like if this was created in a lab i would be giving it the microfilm and you know i i'd be waking up naked in a snowdrift minus my kidneys like this this map has me Right. This, this book just just has me on all fronts. It's to my example, to, to my way of thinking, it is a perfect example of the pinnacle of that late 80s, early 90s style. It is thick with data like it, it's not there, there is no constipated leaping anywhere in this book. <laughs> no, there there's I mean, while we all appreciate a good artist and we do, this is a data heavy book all there's maps on like 10 forts 20 towns the different cities of of this kingdom i mean it is it is exhaustingly laid out there are so many in the end this would be in the age of photocopiers just handouts that you could just hand out to your people this is this is the town you are in what do you want to do there are really 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 data heavy parts in this. And I just, I I love this book. I, this book made me so happy to read this book. There are two versions of it. There's the first edition version and there's the second Mm. edition version. Both of them have a minotaur on the cover standing in front of something evil, but it's clearly different art from different people. The (laughs) the first one is clearly a Simbita picture here. And the second one is much more modern, you know, late nineties style artwork. This Mm. Text, however, is largely the same across the editions. The second edition version clearly has been updated for the second edition stats and rules. 
However, 90 plus percent of the book is straight up same text moved over, cleaned up a bit. The locations are still there. The keys to the maps are the same. There's just a lot of, you know, clarified and expanded content. But man, oh man, the maps. I have read (laughs) both of these books from cover to cover, word for Mm. word. Whenever I would get myself in the mindset to run a Palladium game, fantasy specifically, my brain always immediately goes, Timoro Kingdom. Pick up the old ones. Pick up the old ones. Because there's so much here to work with. Mm -hmm. This is so in-depth. You have governmental system. You have an ancestral hierarchy of the kings. You have details of the various wars they've been involved in. You have dozens of towns and forts all fully mapped out. A chronology of, yeah, yeah. You, you even have a begat list, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, it's, it's most of the book, too, is just data. You have eight pages, which includes uh, how to travel, which is just laughable because it's it's... It's laughably wrong. And well, then again, I'm not a hero. So maybe heroes travel faster than me. And like two classes. And the rest of it is just data, 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 data. So thick and crunchy. Yeah. So I want to identify, I want to go ahead before we dive into the meat of these books, with this mm-hmm. book and its editions, I want to point out, uh, but let's dive into the things that are right there on the cover. You got Minotaurs. And you got some evil blobby thing. Mm -hmm. The Minotaur is interesting in that in both books, the Minotaur plays an extremely minor role in what's happening here. In fact, when I first read this book as a teenager, I didn't actually remember the Minotaur ever even being in here. I thought it was just like a cool picture on the cover. But I did later go and find that the Minotaur is in there. There's a Minotaur the stats for the Minotaur are embedded uh-huh. in like a room description of something. <laughs> and they're, they're not easy to find unless you know what you're looking for. I seem to recall that at this time, when this the first one was released, there was some kerfluffle over using dragons on the cover because of Dungeons and Dragons. And so that a lot of companies were featuring like uh, tunnels and trolls, creatures and caverns. And that may be why the Minotaur was was put up here, because a Minotaur is intimately connected with a maze, which is a dungeon, which is, hey, got kids, this is a role-playing game. When you see it on the shelf, and what would that be? A B. Dalton or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it existed back in that time. I think one could easily pick up this book and show a Minotaur there and be like, look, this space is, this is a game based on Greek mythology. You could just mm-hmm. wave it at your parents and be like, look, look, Greek, Greek shit. It's, it's well, that's fine. True. There's, there's a Medusa uh, right in there in the beginning. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. the Minotaur is in there, but it's buried deeply. If you get the second edition book, there's like a full write up of the Minotaur. They give it a, a lot of detail and description, which is pretty cool. Now, going back to what you were just saying about dragons on the cover, I, you mm. know what? I think you're probably, you're into something there. I don't really know if games like Call of Cthulhu or any of those had quite caught the public's attention. People were just Very probably niche just at like, the time. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. It's got a dungeon. It's got a dragon. It's evil. Yeah. But this, this has like a Cthulhu looking monster on it. This is way more metal than anything D&D had out. Oh, absolutely. Well, 
I, I don't say that as a bragging, right? I say that more of a satanic panic thing. If the satanic panic were like fully aware of what it was going after, you would think that a cover like this would raise so many more alarms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Literally the wall of, of fleshy tentacles. <laughs> and this is, you know, pre-hente. So. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is pretty intense. But anyway, so yeah. there we have the Minotaur. The next thing to talk about is the fact that this book is called and features on the cover Old Ones. The old ones are Cthuloid gods. <laughs> they are the single most dangerous and powerful things in all of the megaverse. Mm. Although I think there was like maybe a phase world source book or something that added something more powerful than the old ones. But whatever. The old ones are, they are classic to all of Palladium, be it fantasy, be it rifts. Everything in some way can trace some kind of a a world fucking malevolence back to mm-hmm. the old ones, which are sealed away in the palladium fantasy world. Okay. Now, is there any mention of that besides the scenarios at the end? Like there's no really stats on there. There's details in the last like two pages of the book. All right. the, old the way ones at complex the end scenario of the yeah. first edition book, you have a page and a half of the old ones. However, the second edition book opens with details on the old ones. Yeah. And it gives this, like, for example, that picture on page six of the what the fuck that is standing there. <laughs> that is that like if that were seriously, the satanic panic didn't know what it was missing here. This is some choice material. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have so many more pages on the old ones in the second edition book. And it's very very good information, very informative, and that follows up with the Minotaur as well. Full RCC stats and everything if you ever want to play one. So, yeah, the old ones, amorphous, evil torture gods. Yeah, like one does. <laughs> um, I like, there's a lot of callouts in this that I feel. Were you getting that? Because this is Dragonlance time. There's a Tannis in here, oh. uh, which is a city. <laughs> There's an Erat, which is something we we have here or had in this time. Yeah. Uh, there, there's Partha, and I'm thinking old Ral Partha. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, what was the other one? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, there's there's a Tanith, which is uh, mm-hmm. so, someone, not a something. Um, yeah, there's just, it, it seemed like there was a lot of, of, of real subtle nods in here to, to things that were popular at the time. It, that reminds me, I'm a big fan, as we've talked before, of the Alternity role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And one of the books for Alternity is the Star Drive campaign setting. And in that campaign setting, there's an Easter egg in that uh, one of the planets detailed in one of the star systems, deeper into the system, very little details given on the moons of this planet, but you get their names. And all oh. of the names of the moons to this planet are the names of great science fiction authors backwards. Oh, really? Yes. Like, <laughs> like Nieb and Vosima and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, and Krauk <laughs> for Clark. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, the, yeah. There's probably a whole lot of just, you know, little references here for people to mm. be like, Oh yeah. 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 And I don't know. There's a lot of strange in-jokes in the Palladium worlds. Like, if you go back to the first edition book, 
there's a picture somewhere in there of like a devil holding a mask or something. But then I think, God, I can't remember the exact details, but then there's a baby also in the picture and he's holding a handgun. It's just Uh (laughs) such a strange picture. I like what they did with the illusionist here to, to drag it back to Mm -hmm. what we have. The monk is a fairly, is a fairly typical monk. It's, it's, he's a, he's a re- researcher. This is the never going to get hit in combat dodge monk that Brandon played yeah. in our game. Yeah. I really like the illusionist. It's a new sense. Like you don't, you don't pick up anything new. You, you, you craft things at the beginning. You just add layers to it. And I, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting take on customizing your magical creation mm-hmm. that. It's it's a shame that it was restricted to just this class because I yeah. can totally see them taking this as the foundation for mm-hmm. building a much more um, you know expanded customizable magic system similar to like Mage, uh, the Ascension, yeah. and so on, or Ars Magica. Is it sound and uh, meditation, which is you know not much, but you get sound, then visual images, and then. Sound and image, smell, mm-hmm. sound, image, and odor, and <laughs> sight, and all the, you know, it's, it's, does your illusion, what does your illusion taste like? I lick the cobalt and attempt to disbelieve. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really cool. <laughs> it's very interesting that taste is pretty, it's, it's a higher level thing too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then we get more of this awesome, just this classic, classic artwork. Thick, heavy, black and white. This is the same style of Sambita art that was in the first edition book. That art, like the long bowman that mm-hmm. just sold me on the game. It's just more of it. These these black and white charcoal looking style. <sighs> They're great line drawings. Yeah. I also love the um, the obvious shift from this was laid out, glued together whited out around the pictures and then sent to the printer. Like this was done on a word processor, not a computer. You can tell. He, I think Kevin laid out manually, like physically blocked out his books well into mm-hmm. the early 2000s. Yeah. I, they may even still, I, I, eh, I don't know. I, I don't have I a deeper have view into their now. printing process, but I know that it was, it was a thing that he was notorious mm-hmm. for doing for a long time. Yeah, like this, this looks typewritten. It gives a, a better sense of age. And I just, frick, I love this. And I love, I love that old map style too, where it's, uh, it, it's really blocky. Yeah. And you see that in a lot of the, uh, the old modules, uh, specifically. Oh, and yeah. th- this is kind of like the, the same legend, the same key. It feels very much the same. It, it really does. When it, it, my early days of gaming, Beside Palladium, I was into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, specifically the the the, the Mincer version, the Beckme series, and mm. there was a adventure that I remember playing the hell out of. Uh, no, a setting called Mistara, and I played I the hell out of that, that game world. But I remember one of the the modules that I played through, and then later in life found, tracked down, and bought was called the Eye of Trolldar. And a lot of the art in this is very reminiscent. Like there was mm-hmm. that style of the little blocky, the little squares indicating things in a map or things in a city kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
but yeah, you're right. You're right. The the travel rules are a little, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I've lived in a lot of these kinds of places. Like I have lived in a swamp. Uh, I have lived in, you know, dense woods. I have lived on a mountainside and there is no way you are moving 12 miles an hour. You're just not. Eh, I, but like I said, I'm not a hero. So <laughs> I'm not a hero, but I, I have become a little bit notorious online for my complaints against palladiums, not quite fully grasping the concept of distances, <laughs> you know, I feel that's a common, uh, a common problem with a lot of people who do a lot of sitting and a lot of writing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. If you've, if you've never attempted to go 12 miles an hour on, on your own feet, you have no idea of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm especially through broken country. But to its credit, it gives game hunting rules. And that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I like that it includes ways that your party can supplement their food on the road. I like that it includes random encounter tables. I love random encounter tables. <laughs> and they're they're mostly animals. They're not mostly like these weird freak show D&D encounters. It's just a bear. bears foxes dogs lizards tigers a tiger (laughs) foxes are fucking scary have you ever heard a fox scream at night it's terrifying yeah it it sounds like a dying child (laughs) 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 yeah and just comparing this to what we have up in the the new book uh going back a little bit here of course, the monk was updated, but it's it, it largely has a lot of the same abilities. It's just sort of presented slightly differently and, you know, with a whole lot more words than it's really needed. <laughs> but honestly, the difference between the illusionist across these editions mm-hmm. is nowhere near as severe as the difference between like magicians. Because magicians yeah. got transitioned away from that whole spells per day thing and put up to... To PPE. This is oh, very similar, but there's just a lot more rules to it. <laughs> yeah. Also, the uh, the Minotaur got its own RCC. Yeah. Yeah. So after after that, we get into stuff like laws. This is just you know Timro Kingdom itself, but like, what happens if you murder? Murder royalty. Murder nobility. Murder a common man. Murder a peasant. Murder a non-human. Murder a non-human slave. And with malice, very important. Without malice, <laughs> self-defense. I mean, th- there's, there is a lot of interesting things here. Um, horse theft, theft of magic, attempted murder, brawls, street fights, and like the various, the various things that will befall you for committing these things at various levels of society. It's pretty pretty neat. It gives a lot of flavor. Yeah. You feel like this is a world that even with just like, what is this? We're at page 11 at this point at page Mm -hmm. by page 11, even without taking a deep look into like the maps and whatnot, you get a feel for the society that you're going into. It's great. Yeah. I, you can just, just going with that. You, you have a world that you can bring forth into life and it's, it's lovely. Here's the thing. After this, we get into the real meat and potatoes, the thing that really got me here. And that starts, uh, what is it, page 12 for the uh, Timuro Kingdom map? Yeah. All the way to page 130. 
is maps, <laughs> maps of towns, maps of forts, lines, uh, roads, uh, sea routes, um, the, 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 the islands, the, like, everything is here. You could take anything from here, from, from this section right now, and put it into any fantasy type game. If you're building your own world, you could, and your, your, your characters, as they tend to do, travel off the path of the city you have meticulously prepared and you need a hamlet fast. Oh, don't worry. We got you here. This is a fantastic resource for any gaming type because when you get into the, uh, in, into the actual lists of cities and towns and things like that, it is, it is trans game. Like it's, it's not, it's not just palladium. It's going to give you things like the population. How many of that population are slaves? Uh, a description, uh, some brief history. And then you will get into stuff like uh, a map and then a whole bunch of labels on there. Easily, easily 50 or 60 for your average, for your average town. Some go into the hundreds. Yeah. And all of these are numbers that are put on the little blocks representing the buildings and neighborhoods of mm -hmm. the maps. And each one of those items has a keyed one minimum one paragraph description in the book. Yeah, it is truly an amazing amount of detail. And many of these places have more than one map for for the larger cities have have it by district. Oh, God. They are the one that you have to put together like a puzzle. I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> no, it's the, the whole thing is just I have no idea about the level of work and i understand why people have switched to the half page constipated leaping art instead of just the pure tables and tables and tables of data because one requires thinking and one you can farm out to someone outside of the company and just buy totally yeah. get why they do it but i love this so much better i i am in full agreement here so the towns that we have Sorry, the locations of the Timur Kingdom here are organized, I think, into cities and then towns and then fortifications. Mm -hmm. The cities, you know, the larger ones, they have the bigger maps. Then we get to the towns, smaller maps, fewer keys. Then we get to the forts. The forts, what I find interesting is that we don't get maps of individual forts, but what we do get instead is a trio of fort types, mm -hmm. which you can then take that template and apply to different forts. And these are these are straight out of antiquity. Yeah, he Kevin or somebody he works with has a huge art on for ancient weapons and castle designs. You can oh, yeah, tell that by, by this book. You can tell that by the Palladium Compendium books, like the Compendium mm -hmm. of Weapons, Armors and Castles. And it goes into just wonderful detail about how how is a castle built? Why would they have done this? What are these defenses yeah. like? What could you expect if you were to attack this place? Wonderful, meaty information. I miss it. That person would be Paula Leisure for the underground forts and probably for the rest too, because I mean, the, uh, the fort type two, you can see examples of that, like literally anywhere in, in, in Europe. Yep. The, the, the fortified bound. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could just take that and apply a little bit of imagination. And there you have the city of Edoras as it was depicted in the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, you get you get uh, each what like thirty? No, probably about twenty different forts uh, mm -hmm. named and on the on the main map. 
Do we want to skip to the GM section or do we want to stay in this lovely, lovely data heavy <laughs> mine here? I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the things here. Okay. So as a GM who is obsessed with this book, I have, I think I was saying this earlier, whenever I will put together a Palladium fantasy campaign, my, my mind will immediately go to the Timur kingdom because to mm-hmm. me, it's the single most detailed spot that they've ever done. Despite many books on other areas, there's so much detail per inch of this kingdom in this book that I can run this, I can run this, this run in the Timuro kingdom for until the day I die and still not touch everything. But yeah, the main reason I keep coming back to it because of the way my brain works with idea building is I like to skim things and whenever something kind of pops out, I will latch onto that and turn it into some kind of a campaign idea. These pages are so full of that each and every locational description, each building's item key has some kind of a description of what that building serves in the town, who lives there, and what they're doing. And occasionally you'll see something like this person is a Western Empire spy, or this person owes their allegiance to ogre raiders in the north or something. And you're like, oh, 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 what can I do with that? Boom. Oh, yeah. Instant campaign idea right there. And then my imagination goes wild. Like there, there is so much of that too. Like, let's just take, I'm, I happen to be on page 94 looking at Nira right now and I'll just start at, you know, whatever, uh, 38 is, which is a bookstore. The books sell between five and a hundred thousand gold and deal with all subjects, history, medicine, religion, legends, travelogues, and the like. Oh no, not that. What about 39 home of the witch? This is the home of Feeney, a merchant clerk. At least that's what he appears to be. He is actually a fourth level witch with a greater <laughs> familiar, a nightmare in the shape of a black cat. He's waiting for new commands from his demon Lord. No, I, you know, I don't, that, that might be too much. That might be too much. What about, uh, let's go to 43. Oh, shrine of Kurgi, the rat God <laughs> hidden in the basement of one of the scummier houses in Timuro. Kurgi is worshiped by most of the thieves guild. And then you know, livery stable, this, that, the other. I just, there's so much here. <laughs> Honestly, the very first one you described. The bookstore. My brain was simply immediately latching on to, what the fucking book did they sell? That's 100,000 gold. I wonder if we can have a heist against that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there is, we're going to keep saying this forever unless we move on so the short version is there's shit loads of information here and so much imaginative fodder it not an inch of any page is wasted no gets to what you want there there's even stats for npcs and the npcs you'll just be reading a fort description and it'll be like Mm. oh this random sergeant he hates elves and i'm like oh well why does he hate elves (laughs) and like on the on the same description page of nira did you know that Nira has public baths. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they're Greco-Roman. I mean, like, is it just everyone in there? Nobody modesty taboo? Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Done in the style of the Western Empire, there are both hot and cold water baths as well as hot and cold mud baths. So any GM worth their salt is definitely going to have a fight spill over into the bathhouse for mud yes! wrestling. It absolutely has yes! to be. <laughs> oh, God, Kevin, just, I love your brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is this is a piece of of beautiful workmanship, of beautiful craft for the art of the role playing game. This is 
honestly, like this is this is a magnum opus. This is the finest piece of work I have I have seen <laughs> that that deals with with fantasy. I have never seen this level of detail, this level of thought put into any one book ever. And I have read some amazing books and in in settings I love, in scenes I love, with characters I love. I have never seen anything this detailed. It is a true work of art. It's it's fantastic and all of this is from his imagination, you know, just Spilling out this world he's creating. It's wonderful. See, I don't get it. Like, I could do one of these, right? But I wouldn't be able to put out, you know, another 200 books after that. Like, this would take my whole life. Yeah. Seriously. Same. So, let's get to some adventures here now. Okay. I want to make a brief shout out to a friend of mine. Now, Matthew, you might have met him. He played in our Rifts games as Cactus Joe. Briefly, yes. And he was supposed to be in the Dwarfs game as, I think, one of the characters who's going to be one of their fathers. And then mm-hmm. he vanished. So we turned, we, he couldn't make it, so we turned that into the plot line. Why is the dad no longer around? But Chris just got out of some, mm. uh, you know, some, some life-changing surgery stuff and it has been mainlining our podcast. So uh, big <laughs> shout out to Chris here. And I want to, there's a, there is actually a relevant reason why I'm giving a shout out to Chris, which is the first adventure in the Game Master section is called Mm -hmm. The Adventure of the Mystic Parcel. Yes. And it, you know, this, this guy comes to some random adventurers in a little fort town and says, I need you to deliver these, these packages to this other town. They're Mm -hmm. warded. So I need your names. We're going to. Make it so you can touch them. Vaguely familiar. Yeah. Well, Chris played in a game that I ran of this adventure, and he was playing an Earth Warlock who fucked up some shit somehow and lost all of his magic for a few days. Mm -hmm. But he was also the only person who was who who gave the wizard his name. Therefore, the wizard was able to put his true name into the wards on the packages. Right. And then he decided that his best offensive ability was to use the warded packages as bombs. <laughs> he just kept throwing them at people. Catch. And then they would catch it, which means they would grab the package, but they weren't authorized to touch the package. So they would be hit with the death wards. wards. <laughs> it was genius. <laughs> yeah. I like that kind of thought. It's, it's an interesting adventure where you're party could be uh, waylaid by a sphinx but they might problematic be. the sphinx is put there this is an interesting form of adventure design where the 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 adventure writer puts everything on the players will they go this way if they do then excellent if they make mm-hmm. good time then excellent the sphinx the the boss monster of the adventure only mm-hmm. appears if they fuck up yeah, they're almost guaranteed to fuck up, but they don't have to. <laughs> I like that. I do too. I like. I've always liked the open endedness and ability to go in different directions. That all all the game hooks and even the 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 well thought out and detailed adventures give. There there is a lot of wiggle room in all of them. Yeah, they're amazing. Just versatility. 
I, the next one is pretty cool too. I would, it's actually something I'm playing around with in my own head right now. The giant? Not with, uh, the, the, the ogres. Yeah. Yeah. Ogre invasions, ogre caravans, the hidden temple. Yeah. There's a trio of adventurers of adventures here that could actually work. That actually worked very well together. There's the giant firebrand. There's the ogre invasion and then the ogre caravan. Yeah. And the three of those are wonderful side adventures that can easily tie into each other. And they're short. They're simple. They're simply, a, a you know, details of a thing that is happening at a place that mm-hmm. the players may or may not get involved in. And what I really like is they have the outcomes of what will happen if the players don't. Yeah. Like, how does this affect the world? I, I just, God damn, I love this book. <laughs> like, I, I, I am, I feel bad that I have never, like, I've had this for over a year now and I've never flipped through it because you told me not to flip through it. Uh, <laughs> but I should have, like, why was I even listening? Like, this is totally something I, I, I would have done anyway. Like, adventures, adventures, all the way up to the old ones, Secret Complex. Oh, man. The, yeah. So I would say the the last third, fourth, the last fourth of this book ramps it up <laughs> mainly with the, the forest of enchantment and then leading into the the other stuff mm-hmm. is it's a campaign right there. Like, yeah, an actual sequential campaign. I mean, you don't have to run it in order, but it, it helps if you do. If you start with the Forest of Enchantment and then you run into the the secret complex and then you run into Carnival. finally the place of magic adventure. Yeah. Because they they guide the player through the existence of the old ones and they really nail in the <laughs> the futility of trying to fight one or yeah. or in any way impede upon their plans and progress. That's a very bad yeah. idea. And there's some fucked up shit that can happen in these adventures. Like, oh yeah, the contagion is one of my favorite components. Did you read about the contagion? I did not, but I did le- read about the lop-eared grundle. <laughs> the contagion is an element of the place of magic adventure. And the place of magic is just this ancient dungeon, basically, that mm. ends with a encounter if the players even make it that far, they could get to an encounter with a slumbering old one. Pretty fucking cool. The contagion is an affliction that any of the players can contract and not even know it until it's too late to do anything about it. Yeah. And the way that they contract it is by passing through a room that has this ancient unknown and so far never yet discovered magical circle. Mm-hmm. But the circle is concealed by, I think, like water or sludge or something. So nobody oh, knows yes. it's there. Therefore, everybody who goes into this place gets infected with this disease. Fuck, dude, I, I really want to go back and do this. You know, we say a lot about um, the, the things we want to revisit and the games we want to play. But I'll tell you, I, I want to play in this. And I've actually been doing a little bit of supplementary reading in Palladium Fantasy, just to kind of get a feel of how to how to run a game, mm-hmm. because I've been thinking about when my life settles down a little bit, I would like to run one. Oh, I was in. You, you always have a place at my table, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just 
fuck, man? There, pardon my French, but yeah, you you are entirely right when you say Palladium Fantasy is the metalist game out there. It is, <laughs> it is funny. It is dark. It is <laughs> twisted. It is downright evil. And and here's the most important thing: it does it will not dumb itself down to sell to the lowest common denominator. It you don't have to be like super smart to play it, but there is more. There, there is more there than any other comparable game. There is more detail. There is more thought. There is more everything except for pictures of constipated heroes leaping at things. Yeah. It reminds me of the things that I loved about second ed era TSR Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons campaign box sets. Yeah. like This reminds me in many things of the things I loved about the the um the forgotten realms box set mm-hmm. the originals yeah with like the, the maps of shadow dale and all of that i was also thinking could one of our fans start a, a reddit page of uh constipated heroes leaping at things should be the name i you know i i would love to see I'll somebody do that. i started a yeah. google community based on that concept i think it was blindly leaping into eternal damnation mm, i like it it was a spinoff of something that I started on Google Plus. It was a group called Three Angry Heroes Brandishing Weapons. Yeah. Yeah. The most common RPG or even fantasy novel cover is Three Angry Heroes Brandishing Weapons. Usually mm-hmm. they're backed together. They're being surrounded by either a slightly visible or a completely unknown encroaching enemy that they're all angrily staring at as they're holding their weapons. That's what I love about some of that old second edition art is it was just art. It was, yeah, the person was in armor, but they were at a cook fire yeah. or they were riding their horse through, through a, a, a misty forest. Like it's, it's not, it's not constipated people leaping at things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go down that, that well. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think the reason I, I keep going back to it in this is because this is one of the pieces with the fewest fluff art pieces ever. Yeah. It's it's got some evocative little bits of, you know, some corner art that might show yeah, somebody engaged in a, a very simple line drawing mm-hmm. black and white fight against the Minotaur or something. But it doesn't have any of that kind of posed fantasy art that is so common to games these days. Also known, I believe, as fluff filler or nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I like those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Fluff. If we're going with online RPG discussion, common terms, fluff tends to be lore. Fluff. Cause it's lore. Yeah. And crunch is the numbers. This yeah. is, this book is oh, 100. There's a shitload of fluff in this book, but you're <laughs> right. There is no, there's none of that fluff art. Mm. Okay. So we always do a thing. And that thing is, do you need to buy this book? <laughs> what do you think, Matthew? I would say, and I, I say this without any any hesitation, of any book I, I have ever said to buy, go go buy this one. Mm-hmm. E- either edition, first or second. I really like the first edition. I, I like the way it's laid out. I like the feel of it. I like the feel of the maps. I like the lack of art. I really do. Like, there's some great, great artists at Palladium. But I, I really enjoy this as well. It is so thick. It is so heavy. And you can use it anywhere. 
if if, if there is a, a sword in in common parlance and there might be a giant lizard that breathes on things somewhere in the world you're playing in, you need this book. Kevin, I don't know if you listen. I hope you do. I've said this in a previous episode, and I'm probably going to say it many times in the future. Do more again. Bring this back. I want your stuff. Your stuff is great. Your line art is wonderful. I love it so much. It is just just, just that picture on the illusionist page on number mm-hmm. four, page four. That, that horrible thing of darkness. It's just, mm-hmm. God, it's so much more evocative of a lot of more overly complicated something happening happening in every inch fantasy art yeah the the additional art in here the ones that weren't done by uh by kevin was um uh, michael kucharski and he has that really clean like he's on the front page with the with the night um, oh that's he has that his really art. clean like like 70s coloring book style art yeah I, I really actually like that too because I grew up with it. Yeah, that's and really good. I, I, I think it's good too. Just really clean lines, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Well, whatever art he did, I mean, all of it's great. I love all of it. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. So I want to close this out with <laughs> a, a little bit of a statement that very few people are going to get, but I think Matthew okay. will. And I don't know if you have other listeners will also get it maybe but somewhere in this book you will find steve buscemi (laughs) (laughs) god damn it he's in here (laughs) i promise you (laughs) Uh, i i I gotta tell you the the dedication in here is really nice too by kevin kevin writes good dedications and this one is really good it's dedicated to the old ones who helped a runny nose kid in his career and then just list some names like that's 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 humbling and great and this is this is such an amazing book i i can't tell you this enough go out and buy it you yep. need this if, if if you if you have more dice in your house than comes with your monopoly board you need to buy this book 15 bucks when it came out worth it oh, worth it <laughs> you know i'm actually gonna grab down the second here what's that yeah, still worth it at uh, 27. That's not bad from 1984. <laughs> yeah, 15 bucks for 1984. Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. I was paying way more than that for video games. Absolutely. So, yeah, the old ones. I I can't I can't speak of this book highly enough. No matter what system you're running, like I said, if if it's if if swords feature, if you're on horses and not hover cars, you need this book. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yep. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. 
All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. 